Okay, Rabotai. Good morning. Good morning. No? Nobody has any questions? Nobody has any questions? Every single day of the year, for the last three years, I say good morning, good morning, Rabotai. And this morning I say Rabotai, good morning, good morning. No one has any questions? I asked it, Kedesh Yishalua Tinokot, in order to make the children ask. <laughs> That's a, the concept that we have on the night of the Seder. We do things in a backwards way, we do things in a weird way, in order for the children to ask, hey, what's going on? What is going on? Hey, I said hey. <laughs> what's going on, right? Okay. Now, my friends, I must, I must say to each and every one of you today, that before we begin, that we have an opportunity in front of us. The night of the said, there's an incredible opportunity, unbelievable opportunity to pray, unbelievable opportunity to grow, to jump levels like we spoke about um, yesterday, um, or two days ago, I forget when already we spoke about that. Um, it's an unbelievable opportunity to achieve freedom. It's an unbelievable opportunity to infuse and inculcate emunah into the children, okay? So it behooves every one of us to take some time and to put in some effort to be able to prepare for the Seder night. Now, especially if you're going away and you're going to be doing almost zero work for uh, uh, nine days, or how many days, ten days you're going to be away, you're just going to be eating like a hamor, okay? Do yourself a favor. The words hamor also have the same words as rahim, which means have mercy on yourself. Have mercy on yourself and, and spend some time preparing. Go buy a book. Bring something with you. Take some stories, some chidushin that you never said before. Bring something beautiful to the seder. That is the job of every father to go out and do this um, for the seder. If you are a single mom and there is no father at your seder, so the job is on you. If you are a single man uh, or if you are a person with no children, then go do it with your wife. Ask the questions to your wife. If you're a single person sitting, living by yourself, ask the questions to yourself. All of that is part of the process of unearthing um, the thought processes that come from causing yourself to think. We had four different classes last night that are going to go online today as well called Get in the Zone. I gave a, uh, a class last night, Rabbi Mizrahi, Rabbi Abragamov, Rabbi Hadjiov. Each one of us spoke about something different. Well worth the listen. Um, all the people that I, I've missed over the last couple days, I know I missed some uh, sponsorships that piled up. I used them all, and I said them all last night uh, by, the, by the program. So you got already four for the price of one. But we're going to give you as well one more in case you're a specifically breakfast in the class type of guy or gal. So Rabotai, today's breakfast in class is dedicated in loving memory of Ralph J. Franco, the Lunish Marufel Ben Salcha, sponsored anonymously. As well, uh, in honor of Deborah and Isaac Ash in celebration of Edward becoming a Bar Mitzvah, Simon Tov Mabruk, uh, sponsored anonymously. In celebration of the birth of baby girl Hurizadeh, sponsored by Anti Sheba Mazaltov. Sponsored also by Stephen Rapport, dedicated in loving memory of Lunish Corporal Shirel Abu Kraf, Alex and Freddie Brick's family member who was murdered by terrorists in, Khad- in Khadera. Hashem Yinkom Dama. Dama. Stephen Rapport also is dedicating in honor of the Kahala Sahaba Kobi Kokova success and everything. And for the Fuashim of Abraham and Ruhama Akwen, sponsored by Joel and Avi Oster. Finally, dedicated by uh, Mauricio and Laura Sion in honor of their daughter Goldie's birthday, Goldie Rebbe of Kabatlea, wishing you a long and healthy, peaceful life up to 120. May you continue with your work of Kirub, bringing people to their roots, Azaku Baruch, and wishing to all of listeners live in Moli Kachag. Pesach Kashev Sameach. Today is dedicated also in loving memory of Lunishman Manasheb and Ahman, Manasheb and Rahamin, 
excuse me, sponsored by his granddaughters Danielle, uh, Daniela and Zagai, Zagi, and as well sponsored David Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every, every day. day. My friends, in the night of the Seder, we talk about the four cups of wine. And the reason why we have four cups of wine, the Gemara tells us, is because there are four Lishonot Shel Geula, four expressions of redemption. Those four expressions of redemption are Veotzeti, Vitzalti, Vigalti, Vilakachti. Veotzeti means God says, and I took you out. Vitzalti, and I saved you, Mitachatzivlot Mitzrayim. Vigalti, and I redeemed you. Vilakachti, and I took you to be for me as a nation. We have a fifth cup at the table. The fifth cup at the table is Eliyahu Anavi, okay? In Eliyahu Anavi, the cup that we put out for him is Veheveti. Because the Pasuk also says that God promises, I will bring you to Eretz Israel, Veheveti. I'll take you to that, to the new land. Since that promise is one that only we experience only when Eliyahu Anavi comes with the time of Mashiach, one of the reasons why it's called the Kosh Eliyahu is for the fifth Lashon of Geulah. Now, today, I don't want to nitpick with you. I don't want to get into the each and every one of the four Lishonot. But what I do want to share with you is that there are myriad Lishonot of Geulah because there are myriad amount of ways within which a person can remain a slave. I took you out from uh, Mitzrayim. A person can be taken out of Egypt and still, even though he was taken out of Egypt, Egypt was not taken out of him. There's a possibility that a person can take their galut with them into geulah, into redemption. What does that mean? How can you take being a slave? How can you be a slave if you're also free? So I want to share with you a simple example. Baruch Hashem, today and yesterday, we are moving house. And in the process of moving house, you gotta pack up all your things. Now my wife, if she had her way, we would go through every object in the house and decide whether we wanted to take it with us or not, you know, put them in different piles, be very ordered. Unfortunately, um, she's married to me, so you know, I don't think that that's gonna happen. And I realized yesterday, as the movers were moving, my wife said to me, look at how much junk, <laughs> look at how much stuff we didn't need here. We're taking with us to, the, to our next house, our next address, right? And now we're gonna have, we're taking the garbage and the mess and the clutter that we didn't need here. We're paying movers to pack it up and to take it and to move it into the new place so that we can now not have a place for it over there and struggle to find a place for things that we don't need. Who's right? Of course, my wife. And I don't only say that because she might listen to this recording. I say that, my friends, because how often are our wives right? And we're wrong. Now all the men are thinking, well, how wrong are our wives wrong? And we're right. The answer is, they are also wrong sometimes. Do you know what the difference is? With us, we think we're right even when we're wrong because our ego doesn't allow us to admit that we're wrong. So therefore, it's more common that we're wrong and they're right than we're right and they're wrong. My friends, listen to this idea. It's not only when you move house you take garbage with you, when a person moves from one situation in life to the next, don't they take their garbage with them? When a person experiences trauma or difficulty in life, and then they move on to the next stage of their life, 
How often do those things slowly, quietly creep up on them? Until eventually, they're upset, they're angry, they break down, they yell. And why are they yelling? Because of some forgotten thing that they shouldn't have packed, and they shouldn't have taken with them. But they did. And I took you out. I took you out from under the burden. And I saved you. Can I just ask you, why do you need to be saved if you were already taken out? It should be the Hitzalti and I saved you. That was a perfectly timed grunt of approval, Sammy. Do you understand? We have it backwards. But the answer is actually no. Part of the process of moving on from the difficult things in life is recognizing that it is not always possible to be saved from the thing you're going through in the place you're going through it. And sometimes the only way to be saved from what you've gone through is to move away, to get space and perspective from that thing, and when it can't hurt you anymore, then to deal with that thing. Would that we would be strong enough that when we have a vehotzeti, when we've already been taken out of something, it's already, we're already living in the world of vehitzati, we're saved from it. But that is not the case. It's not the case. How often in a fight are you not fighting with the person in front of you, but you're fighting with a version of that person from years gone by? From something that happened between you then? How often are you fighting with the person in front of you, but you're not fighting with them at all? You're fighting with someone else. You're yelling at your boss, right? That he doesn't appreciate you. And da 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 Meanwhile, this boss is not half bad. But you're so scarred from your last experience that in his form, in his face, you see an amalgam of all the bosses who ever mistreated you. So my friends, I want to ask a simple question. How is it possible then, if we're learning about this and tonight is a night of Geulah, the Sefarim tell us that not only does a person talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim, but they also should speak or should mention on the night of the Seder, they should mention all the times that God has saved them personally. Did you ever hear that before? Huge chidush. There are Holocaust survivors that would leave in Vehisha Amda, go to the other room, come back in wearing their striped pajamas, and sing Bechol Dor Vador in every generation. Right? Ela she Bechol Dor Vador, Omdim Alenu Lechalotenu, What's the proof that it's appropriate to speak about salvations that did not occur only on the night of Pesach, only during the time of Egypt? Vishamda is the proof. Because if that's not what we're supposed to be talking about, if that's not what we're supposed to mention on this night, then Vishamda is taking you on a detour away from the point of the evening. Ela dor vador omdim alenu chalotenu tells you that a person is supposed to mention the ge'ulah that they've experienced in various stages of their life, nisim v'niflaot, that happened to them. My friends, why are we supposed to do this? Why do we rehash these moments of ge'ulah, these moments of redemption? 
Why do we go back to them? Why do we go back to the story of Pesach? To go to each Makkah. Why do we start with slavery? Why do we do that? What's the point? Surely if tonight is a night of celebration, we don't have to ruin it by talking about babies being buried in the walls if you didn't complete your quota for bricks. Surely we don't have to be talking about how they tortured the Jews in Egypt. We don't have to be talking about that. Surely we don't have to talk about the fact that once upon a time, we had a great-great-grandfather who was a hamor and he bowed down to idols. Why do we have to mention this? Why are we raining on our own parade? The answer, my friends, is that I think the Sedanite teaches that your past does not have to define you. And your previous experiences and the previous uh, detours of your life do not need to be the person that you wind up being. Because where did Abraham come from? He came from Terach. And he still became an Abraham. He overcame the fact that his family wasn't religious, wasn't Jewish, didn't do anything. Abraham overcame it. We were slaves, downtrodden, beaten, tortured, murdered, raped, killed. And yet, and yet, we wound up leaving that story like kings. Your past does not have to define you. In fact, it doesn't actually need to be something that you carry with you at all. But in order to undergo that, a person needs to be reassured that they can leave that behind. That there can be, that there can be a, different, a different result, a different response. Ve'otseti ve'hitzalti. So even if you feel like I'm never going to get over what I've been through, the night of the Seder begs to differ. Let me add one last point. The halakha tells us that if a person does not have money for the arba kosot, he has to be chozer ala pitachim. He has to go around knocking on doors. Chozer ala pitachim. Knocking on doors to be able to raise the money. Not only that, what if he still doesn't have the money? Says the Gemara, the Halakha, Afilu glima, even the, the shirt, me'al katfei, even the shirt on his back. He sells in order to be able to get arba kosot. Why? You don't have this Halakha by other mitzvot. This Halakha, right? Let's say you don't have money for a lulav etrog, can't afford to buy it. Patur. Not because you have a petur. Not because you have a petur. You know why? Because you're honest. It's an accident. There was nothing I could have done. I don't have the money. I can't buy it. What do you want for my life? So you can go and shake someone else's. But what if I don't know someone else that has one? What if I can't find one? The halakha is honest. We don't say, go now beg on the streets. Why says the halakha? How come he has to be chozer al petachim? How come afilu miglima da al katpeh? Even the shirt off his back. How come? Says halacha mishum. Anyone know? Pirsumenisa. Because it's about spreading the word of the ness, of the miracle. Spreading awareness of the miracle. 
My question is, so what? All the other mitzvot also have reasons. How come the reason of Pirsumeni Sa obligates, forces something that you don't find by the other mitzvot? That's where you came from. That's your whole, that's your whole lineage. So? If you don't, if you don't remember where you came from, that's, that's, that's who we are. So Sammy, I think, is... is uh, is leaning on something, he's, he's touching something, but I don't know if you've got, you got the grasp yet. I'll give you the answer that you tell me this is what you meant. <laughs> you know what the answer is, my friends? The answer is, our Chachamim tell us a tremendous secret. That the Yisod of so many mitzvot is the concept of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of leaving Egypt. And that's why all the time, what do we say again and again and again and again? Zecher, the Siyad Misraim. To remember the leaving of Egypt. We say it by the Tefillin. We say it by Shabbat. We say it in the story in the Brit Milah. We say it again and again and again. Zecher, the Siyad Misraim. So many. It's in so many prayers. Why is Yitziat Misraim such a cornerstone? Why is the memory, that memory, so important? that it's more important than any other Jewish memory. There are, some people say at the end of every single day of tefillah, they say all the zikronot. There's other things that the Torah tells you to remember. But we're not obsessed with them every minute of every day. Why is the memory of leaving Egypt so important? The answer, my friends, is that while zecher l'ma'aseh bereshit, Ramban explains, when God made the world, and therefore we owe Him, we owe Him as much and as equal amounts to every other nation on earth. Because He made the earth for us and He made the earth for them. So every person, Jewish or not Jewish in the world, owes God the same for the fact that He created the world. But the nations of the world are not obligated in the mitzvot. Only we are. Why? Because God one-upped us. We owe God on some, for something that they don't. Zecher Yitziat Mitzrayim. It indicated that God was willing to do something for us that He had not done for anybody else and that He would never do for anybody else. In that moment, my friends, we recognize the most important thing a Jew has in this world. We recognized, listen carefully, that we had a relationship with the Divine. We had a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Read the words of the, of the Haggadah. Who came to save the Jews? Ani velo malach. Ani velo shaliach. Ani hu velo acher. David Ash brushing up on his Haggadah. Yes. <laughs> Anihu, God says it was all me, nobody else. Remember when Michael Jordan drove to the basket with five hawks trying to defend him? Sam, you remember that? You remember Zahagadah, you remember Michael Jordan? Good team. Five hawks. Why didn't he pass the ball? If there's five hawks taking him, what does he know? There's four other open players who could shoot an uncontested shot. Michael Jordan thinks he's God.
אני הוא ולא אחר. מייקל ג'ורדס גונה להיות את הווידאו ולהגיד, אני לוקח את זה פרסונלי. אתה מבין? חברים, חברים, חברים. When does God do something himself? How come he doesn't send the Shaliyah? He doesn't send the Malach? How come he does it himself? Hashem says, these are mine. You mess with my son. You know, the mafia boss, he won't send anyone to, to kill the guy who beat up his son. He comes down himself with the gun, you see? With the baseball bat. When we remind ourselves of Zechel Yitziat Mitzrayim, what do we do? We open up all the possibilities of being a Jew. My friends, that's maybe the deep reason or meaning that the Ani, a poor person who can't afford the cups of wine which remind us of the four Lishonot of Geulah, he's Choser ala Petachim, on all of the doors, on all of the openings. A person who accesses a relationship with God opens up all the doors. Every possible uh, outcome that they need. Every possible miracle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there for the person in their life, in their marriage, in their children, in their business, in their mental health, in their physical health, whatever you might need. So the recognition of the Ness is so important. It contains the key to all doors. So therefore we tell the Ani to be Choser Lepetachim. Afilu says the halakha, miglima, the al-katpe, even from his, his own clothing. What's the representation of that idea? Miglima, the al-katpe. A person, when he wears clothing, they act as protection. They keep him warm, but it goes with him wherever he goes. He picks his arm up, the sleeve goes up with him. He moves his legs open wide, the, his pants move with him. The person's clothing is the closest thing that a person can wear. which mimic his every action, which cover him and protect him non-stop, until when? When does a person's clothing not protect him, not mimic him, not go with him wherever he goes, not take on the form of the situation he's currently in, when he takes it off. When is HaKadosh Baruch Hu not with you? When you're not with him. When you take him off. Says the halakha, a person who has an opportunity to go out and get a recognition of Pirsumei Nisa, a recognition of all of the wondrous miracles, the celebration of all the wondrous miracles of this evening. It's such an important thing to do. Do you know why? Because if not, if a person doesn't have at least this yearly reminder, hopefully it's a daily reminder, but if a person does not at least have this yearly reminder, He might be losing, he might be taking off, he might be forgetting this, this protection that is with him always. So we tell him, take the shirt off your own back. That line is reserved for an Ani, a poor person who needs to go and buy um, wine, doesn't have the money. Aruch Hashem, I think people in this room, most of the people here are not suffering from that issue. Where they physically need to sell their clothing in order to buy, uh, you know, a bottle of wine or grape juice. But the message to the Ani, a person doesn't only have to be poor in money. 
person can be poor, can lack many things. And I think in our generation, a generation of tremendous wealth as compared to previous generations. You know, today, even people uh, who, who are lacking, generally, they're lacking in a much smaller way. They have access to many more. You don't hear about people who actually died of starvation. When was the last time you heard someone died of starvation? But it used to happen. It used to happen in Russia, in Poland. They, had so, they, they, had, they didn't have money, to, two pennies to, to rub together. They didn't have any food. And the guy could wake up in the morning and the guy died from hunger. You had it back in the Jewish history, the Middle Ages. You had it in Eretz Israel. You had, there were times of great famine, great poverty. We don't live in that time. We just, we do not live in that time. But my friends, we are poor in another way. We are poor, but we lack much more than money. Is presence of mind. Peace of mind. We're all over the place. More and more of our children, of our families, we need therapy, we need counseling, we need all sorts of drugs. We're upset, we're nervous, anxious. Now, of course, there's cases and there's times we're depressed. You know, today in high school, if you're not depressed, who even are you? You know, it's like, uh, it's ubiquitous. And of course, there's people that genetically or medically, that's something that's a reality for them. And obviously, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the extreme numbers of this. What is going on in our generation? That this is something that people are so nervous in a time when we need to be the least nervous of all of the history of the world. If you have no money today, you can get food stamps and you'll get food. If you have no access to medical care today, you can go to the hospital and you'll get care. With Medicaid, and Medicare, Obamacare, Batikh. You'll find something. We've never had that. So why are we so nervous? Why are we so anxious? Why are we so poor in this area? And the answer is, because the emunah levels of our generation are bottoming out. The more we think we figured out about God's world, the less room in it there is for God. The more we have and we allow the temptations of the day to rule our world, the less space there is in our world for kiddushah, for holiness. So my friends, the less holiness, the less kiddushah, the less God, the more you have to worry about. Now that sounds like a strange prescription. Imagine I was your counselor or therapist. You're telling me about your problems and I write you a prescription. And we op- you get home and you open the prescription. It just says on it one word with three letters. It just says God. <laughs> I prescribed God. I would probably get fired from my job. But as a rabbi, I can prescribe God. God is the answer. Hashem is the answer. Pirsumei Nisa is the answer. The Seder night is the answer. You build up, build up, build up your charge. You charge your emunah battery to the point where a situation comes along that would have knocked you off your pedestal before, but now it's different. Now, now you got God on your side. You know, I want you to imagine some kid in school gets bullied. Every day he comes to school, 
He gets pushed. He gets slapped. He gets punched by one of the other kids in class. Every day he comes in, he's like this. One day the kid walks in, big smile on his face. The bullies come, they don't like the smile. They jump out, they're like, hey, manishtana, lelot. How come you're not scared? You're not scared today? Punk? And he has a big smile on his face. And he says, no. Not smart. I'm not scared today. And they say, why? And as soon as they say, why? Coming out from behind the wall is his six foot nine, 400 pound refrigerator Perry father. And the father says, because I'm here. <laughs> the kids go running. The kid is not afraid because his dad's with him. His dad's with him. Imagine his dad could come with him to class and come with him to the playground and come with him to whatever he needs. Imagine his dad could be in the business meeting with him. Imagine all of the power and the reassurance that the kid has in every situation like that when they know that their father is with them. What do you need in order to be able to do that? To not bring all of the anxieties of things that came before with you into your current situations. All you need to do is to be reminded that my current situation is not like the situation before. Before you could pick on me. I didn't realize he was with me. I didn't bring him with me. So all the kid needs to remember to do is to bring his dad, to bring his father with him. My friends, what we need to do is to bring our father with us. And I will take you to be for me as a nation and I will be your God. That's the night of the Seder. That's what we mean to say when we say in every generation they stand up against us and in every generation he protects us, which means that all the people that stand up against me also, he will protect me. But I have to bring him with me. And that's on you. And that's so important that the person is Chozer ala petachim to remind himself that this is the key to all those doors. Afilu miglima al katpai remembers that just like his own shirt is something that he wears with him, that goes with him everywhere he goes, that mimics all of his movements, that's how God is for him. If you take him with you. So you check, you know when you do, you know that mental check before you go into a business meeting? You know, suit briefcase, check. Presentation, check. Backup presentation on a, uh, on a, heart, on a disc key, check. Right? Bottle of water, check. Phone, battery, charger, in case my phone dies, check. Just add one more checkbox when you go into the meeting. God, check. Pray before you walk in. You got to bring him in. Go to shul the morning of that presentation. How foolish are people who stay home the day of the big presentation because they need to prepare. Isn't this part of preparing? Bring God with you. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.